Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. And as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're talking with Tim the Yowie Man. Tim is an Australian paranormal researcher. He explores all sorts of different topics within the paranormal realm. But uh, what we mainly talk about today is the Yowie. You know, it's right there in his name, Tim the Yowie Man. But what a Yowie is, uh, without getting too much into it, because we're going to talk about this, it's pretty much the Australian Bigfoot. So, Tim had an encounter quite some years ago now and ever since that time he kind of changed the direction of his life path and decided to really dedicate his life and his time into the paranormal world. So really big thanks for Tim coming out on the podcast and having a bit of a chat with us. I just want to say jump onto Tim's website www.yoeman.com.au There you'll be able to find all sorts of information, some videos, uh, Tim's latest book as well of course, which is Tim the Yowie Man haunted and mysterious australia and why and while you're checking out tim jump onto his youtube page and his facebook to keep up to date with all the many things that tim is currently working on just like to thank tim for coming on the podcast had a really great chat and i think you guys are really gonna enjoy this one thanks tim why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself because a lot of my listeners are based in the states uh so you know seeing the the name tim the owie man i'm sure they're probably some of them might know, but I'm sure a lot of people are even confused to what a Yowie even is. So feel free to elaborate on a bit of your background. Yeah, so Tim the Yowie Man is a bit of a strange name. And uh, Yowie, uh, I guess for the uninitiated, is the Australian version of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And I'm called Tim the Yowie Man, uh, not because I look like a Yowie, <laughs> although uh, some people claim after I haven't shaved for a while, maybe I do, but because I've, uh, I've spent... Uh, the last quarter of a century or so, uh, researching and, and looking for the Yowie. Um, particularly uh, after I had a sighting back in 1994, I was sort of fascinated with this uh, large, hairy, bipedal-like creature that, that many people spot in the Australian bush. Um, I had my own encounter and thought, heck, I need to get to the bottom of this mystery somehow. I'm going to go out there and see what I can find. So a few of my friends at that time said, hey, let's call you the Yowie Hunter. And I thought, you know... Hunter conjures up sort of all sorts of uh, images of people running around with weapons and nets and, and the like. I'm more out there just trying to find uh, 
evidence or was at least at that time trying to find evidence of the Yowie. So uh, I said, no, no, if you're going to call me Yowie something, not Yowie Hunter, how about Yowie Man? So that's how the name name came about. Nice. When you put Hunter onto any sort of name, it does sort of paint a bit of a negative picture of it, doesn't it? Oh, it, it does. And, and, and I think that it might be a bit of a difference between Australia and, and the US, for example, where in my experience in going to the US, um, there are portions of the Bigfoot Sasquatch community, um, certainly not all, um, that do want to go out there and bag a Sasquatch, bag a Bigfoot, um, bring one in, preferably alive, but if they've got to shoot one, then so be it. Whereas I think in Australia, uh, most people are, that research uh, and are out there in the field would rather just observe it and collect evidence and, and not necessarily uh, hunt it, so to speak. Before you had this sighting, did you have any previous interest in anything paranormal or anything along those lines? Interestingly, not really. I, I do recall when I was at uh, primary school, uh, we were given uh, a group task, I think in uh, year six, so that was uh, we aged uh, around 12 or 13, to um, sort of design the front page of a, a local newspaper. And I don't think it was me, but someone else in our group of three or four classmates said, hey, let's do a story that a Bigfoot's been sighted on the local mountain, which was a, a mountain called Mount Gibraltar uh, at a place uh, in Barrel, just south of Sydney. And we all went along with it because it was all sort of fictional, a make-believe uh, sort of, you know, front page. And we sort of said, you know, Bigfoot spotted on Mount Gibraltar. And and uh, we, we sort of wrote a, a story, a, an article about, um, you know, a fictional person having an encounter. Uh, and from, from what I can recall, that's my sort of only, I don't know even if you call it interest, but only sort of um, uh, experience, I guess, even with the word Bigfoot or, or, or Yowie or Sasquatch prior to my sighting, which was then uh, some 10 years or, or so later. So, yeah, I never grew up being one of those people that wanted to go out and, and try and find a, a mystery, whether it was a ghost, a, a Yowie, a sea serpent or anything like that. It was, it was just like anyone else and the sighting in 1994 um, of seeing something with my own eyes, I guess that was a life-changing event which, uh, which sent me on this path of being Tim the Yowie Man. Interesting. I think, yeah, that's, that's actually a really sort of funny coincidence, isn't it? You doing this project at school about Bigfoot sighting and then all of a sudden, you know, you sort of ended up right in the middle of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. And I probably wouldn't have even remembered the fact I'd done that until uh, until I sort of had my own encounter and I sort of a, a few, not even immediately, but I think it was a few years later, I was, I was, I was flicking through some of my old schoolwork in clearing out some boxes in the, in the house and uh, and uh, came across uh, this, uh, this front page of a newspaper, uh, pretend front page. And it was, um, yeah, I thought, geez, may, maybe, maybe I was destined to be a Yowie, a Yowie uh, man of some sort since way back then. But yeah, but the interesting thing there was that it was others that in, in the class that came up with the idea, not me. I wasn't uh, by any means obsessed nor really interested in any way more than the average person on the street. So can you tell us a little bit about the encounter you had in 94? Yeah, sure. sure. So I was, uh, I was at university by that time and I was uh, collecting information on, a, uh, on how bushwalkers value a national park. So I was, I was doing a, an honours degree in economics at the uh, Australian University uh, in Canberra, uh, again, south of Sydney. And uh, I was trying to place a dollar value on this national park, which was free to enter at, at the time. And 
being an economist or studying economics, you know, everything has a value. So I was, I was, I was looking for bushwalkers up in this remote national park now called Brindabella National Park, looking for uh, people to interview and ask them, you know, how much they appreciated going there and how much they pay if there was an entrance fee and the like. And it's a pretty, uh, it's, it's not like a, a, a highly populated or visited area, not like a Yellowstone or, uh, you know, a, or Yosemite or anything like that. This national park receives um, maybe dozens of visitors a day. So it's, it's pretty hard to find anyone. On this particular day, I'd, I'd found a few bushwalkers and had interviewed them. And then uh, it was around dusk, uh, I was sort of on my way back to uh, my vehicle, sort of resigned to the fact I wasn't going to find any other bushwalkers to, to interview that day. And I was walking along this uh, mountain uh, spur or, or ridgeline uh, covered with uh, eucalypts or gum trees and sort of like an open forest. So there was grass up to sort of the knee height and bushes and then taller trees, you know, uh, much, much higher. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this movement and I, I sort of thought, well, what's there? Natural reaction sort of looked up on the hill. Uh, and there in my sight, uh, about 100 meters or so away was this creature, which I, I, I was scared because it was this big, bulky, black-haired, uh, ape-like creature. All I could think of was this looks like an ape was my immediate reaction, but in the space of seconds, I was thinking, well, it can't be an ape. We live here in Australia. There's no apes. Um, it's got to be some sort of mutated kangaroo. So I sort of glanced back. No, definitely wasn't a kangaroo. A kangaroo and an ape look like two different things. Um, at this stage, I was I was quite um, frightened. I, I, I was scared and I scared of the unknown. It, it, this creature wasn't attacking me, nor do I think it even showed any signs that it knew I was there. So my immediate reaction was to turn and run because I wasn't too far to, to get back to the car. But then I thought, well, if I run this, this thing, whatever it might be, it, it will probably see me and it might chase me. It might hurt me. So I, I, I made a decision spur of the moment to sort of just walk backwards uh, very slowly and quietly, but at the whole time keeping my eye on this creature. When I got back to a fire trail, which was uh, only a few meters behind me, thankfully, uh, this walking back had taken, uh, when I was doing it, felt like it took uh, minutes, but on reflection was probably, you know, 10 seconds or, or so. Uh, I got back to the fire trail and then when I knew I had a clear run to the car, I turned and I ran to the car. I was scared um, and I got in the car and I drove back down through the mountains back to my home as quick as I could. Um, I couldn't believe what I'd just seen. Yeah, you definitely, you wouldn't really want to be hanging around when you have no idea what this massive black hairy ape no. thing is. And, 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 at, and at that time, of course, I had no idea um, of uh, the rich history and reports of similar beasts in Australia. You know, I'd heard, as, as we've discussed uh, before, uh, as we discussed earlier, you know, Bigfoot and Sasquatch, and I'd heard of a Bonneville snowman and the Yeti and in the odd movie prior to that, but I'd never associated the, the creature or similar creature with Australia. So when I got back to my, um, my university residence, I actually kept quiet for, for quite some time, not really wanting to tell anyone for fear of um, uh, people laughing at me. And it took a little while and eventually I mentioned it to some mates and they, um, they uh, surprisingly didn't take the mickey out of me. They, they, uh, one of them had actually uh, read a, a recently published book on sort of mysteries of Australia, which had included um, references to a, 
a Yowie, an Australian Bigfoot. And he passed me the book and has a sort of read of it, uh, flicked through the pages and looked at some of the sketches and the like and immediately thought, well, what I've seen is he's one of these. I've seen a Yowie and uh, gave me great, um, uh, I guess I was comfort to, to feel that others had been seeing these creatures for, for thousands of years in the case of Indigenous peoples and hundreds of years for uh, for European settlers to, to the country. I f- felt like, you know, I wasn't insane. I, I wasn't a madman. After all, uh, others had seen this, but but still, you know, what this creature was, uh, why it was in Australia and what it was doing there that day, uh, yeah, it still remained a mystery. Definitely. It's great when you actually get a little bit of closure in that sense of you other people have witnessed a similar thing, you know, and that's something I find when I talk to people a lot is that people aren't really educated about the sort of paranormal and the strange things that kind of go on. So when they do have an experience, it, it can be quite upsetting and people, do, you know, are ashamed, as you were kind of saying, yeah. you, were, you didn't want to mention 21. That's right. And I, and I found that more and more because over the years, uh, I've uh, I've sort of moved also into the sort of the paranormal and, and I actually run a number of different ghost tours and have done for 15 years or so around Canberra. And I have to say on almost every single tour I do, there's and there's around 20 or so people on each tour, there's always at least one, if not two or more people that come out at that on that tour and actually reveal, even though their friends are around them and they haven't revealed this to their friends or family before, because they're in an environment where there's others that are interested and others that have had experiences with something strange and unexplained, they'll come out and they'll they'll pour their hearts out over some uh, ghostly encounter or strange animal encounter that they hadn't even told their family or their or their friends before because uh, they didn't feel you know like it was in an environment where they'd um they'd be listened to and, and respected um, as much as when you're on a sort of a bus with 20 or so people that are there all interested in the same phenomena. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a point of interest. Yeah, it is great. That is one great thing about ghost tours actually is you're with so many um, people of such a similar interest and it's it's kind of odd when you're in that sort of experience and it's similar when I do this podcast with people talking with people from all around the world about these similar topics and it's just it's fascinating, you know, because most of the time you don't even want to say anything to anyone because either they're not going to be interested whatsoever and they're just going to think you're full of shit, you know, so you don't, yeah, yeah it's not really something we um, talk about openly with a lot of people but like as you're doing now, it's great to sort of educate and just open the topic up to people and, you know, people can learn and, you know, share their experiences. It's, you know, it's really a good thing. Yeah, and although I've well, I basically dedicated the last well quarter of a century of my life so far to not only the, the Yowie but other strange animals and paranormal phenomena and the like. And a lot of people, particularly on those tours, for example, will or at dinners I have with with friends because you know they know I'm interested in this thing. Well, they'll they'll say, so what have you found? What have you solved? Uh, you know, you know, you've been looking for chasing shadows some of them say for for so many years what have you found and and when i tell them i haven't actually got any conclusive evidence uh for to prove beyond reasonable doubt in scientific terms that these creatures exist or that 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 or what exactly ghosts are they're they're, they're quite they're quite shocked they go well you're a failure and i don't see it as a, a failure at all i think it's 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 a journey it's a discovery some people can see ghosts some people can't some people have experiences with strange animals in the bush. Some people don't. And to think that as a as a you know a worldwide community, we know the answers to everything and that 
modern day science just you know if it doesn't fit into that box then it, it doesn't exist i think that's um fairly short-sighted by, by the human race and uh, i think one day unlikely i think in my lifetime but one day who knows how how far away uh, it might be proved in some way beyond how we we know how that will be proved now um that these creatures do exist in some way and some people can see them and some can't it's um it's a it's that mystery which really uh entices me definitely I always, uh, I can't remember who quoted it now, but it was something along the lines of, you don't decide to see Bigfoot, Bigfoot decides to let you see (laughs) them, you know, and I think that's great because that is so the case, you know, people looking their entire life for these types of creatures and coming up with nothing and then some people just stumble across it, you know, it's... (laughs) That's, That's entirely right. And since I had that encounter back in 1994, you know, I spent a lot of time, particularly in the five or so years after that, looking um, with a lot of field work out there, weeks on end, looking for the Yowie around Australia and also, you know, Sasquatch and Bigfoot in, in North America and and came up with nothing. Um, but yeah, it was just that chance sighting that I had. And, and the same with others. Others, many people that have sightings of these creatures, uh, you know, they're not um, Bigfoot researchers or Yowie men, they're just someone going about their own business and then suddenly they see something. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a mystery, isn't it? So from that point after your sighting, went back to uni and then you've spoken with some friends and they've been open to this. What happens between that time and the period where you're at now? So how did you kind of really dive in and make this your, your life's work? Yeah, well, for the first five years, I guess, or so after that sighting, um, I was, uh, you know, I was brought up as someone with a strong scientific sort of reasoning, you know, if, how how could this creature exist? There's no, no one's ever found any um, hair samples, no one's found any uh, carcasses, there's no conclusive photos, you know, uh, this, this thing, can't exist, and I was torn at that about that because I, I'd seen I'd seen it with my own eyes. So uh, I actually gave away my career as as an economist and and spent um, much of that five years trying to find some sort of evidence of the Yowie. And when when I started looking for the Yowie, other creatures and strange animals sort of uh, came onto my radar. Whether it was the bunyip, a swamp-dwelling creature of Aboriginal mythology in Australia, or sea serpents, you know, even to Ogopogo in North America, or, you know, Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. I became even more fascinated and, and, and with the unusual, the unknown, the strange. And I guess I broadened, start, started to broaden my horizons from, from just focusing on this, this ape-like beast to anything that was a bit, a bit strange. Uh, and eventually that also developed – uh, into ghosts and curses and things like that. So what started as just a, a yaoi obsession, I guess, then expanded to cover all or a lot of the, the realms, realm of the, the paranormal uh, and the unexplained. And I, I, I was lucky enough uh, during that time, I, I documented a lot of my adventures and was writing about them for, for magazines in, uh, in, uh, in the United States and in England and South Africa and New Zealand and Australia and so while I wasn't making a um, anywhere near the sort of uh, uh, money I would as an economist um, I was actually struggling financially uh, but I was exploring the world and at the same time 
been able to uh, explore my passion of trying to get to the bottom of these mysteries. So it was, uh, you know, it was a, a great period of time. Where, where would you say in your experience, in Australia, first of all, where are some pretty big hotspots for Yowie sightings? Well, yeah, we sighted in hotspots uh, predominantly uh, up and down the east coast of Australia, so through Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. And within those areas, there's those states, there's also a number of um, localised hotspots. So, for example, in Queensland, uh, the Gold Coast hinterland, which is just south of Brisbane, uh, and a couple of, I guess, a, an hour or so's drive inland from the coast, like rainforest type area, that's... Uh, a big hotspot and a time where I've spent um, uh, many, many months trying to find uh, evidence of, of, of the Yowie without luck, but many other people I've spoken to there have had encounters and the Yowie up there is particularly, uh, according to, to eyewitnesses, a smelly variety, um, possibly because it does live in that uh, subtropical climate, very hot and steamy and, and, uh, and also, uh, uh, a lot of rainfall. So if you've got a, a thick fur on, um, it's a little wonder that most sightings in that area, uh, people actually smell the creature before they see it. So that's southeast Queensland. Uh, another hot spot is south, uh, southern New South Wales. So from the area where I saw my creature just near Canberra, uh, south um, uh, to the Victorian border in the sort of uh, forested area where hardly anyone lives, uh, their national parks or, or forests, uh, there's reports of uh, Yowies there dating back, as I say, many thousands of years to indigenous inhabitants who sort of uh, have uh, uh, lived with the Yowie in their culture uh, for many, many hundreds of years there. And then uh, I guess it also spills across the, the border in that mountainous region into Victoria. So probably the two main hotspots, I'd have to say, southeast New South Wales and, and the Gold Coast hinterland. If you want to see a Yowie, beat a path there. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Because this is a question that I'll ask you that I get all the time. What's the difference between, say, an American Bigfoot Sasquatch to the Australian Yowie? I've only seen the Yowie, but I can only sort of answer that on um, uh, from by way of what other people's eyewitness accounts of, of the two. Uh, from 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 what I can gather, the American uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, most reports have that a lot taller than the uh, Australian Yowie. So I guess if the the Yowies played the the Sasquatch in game of basketball, uh, the Sasquatch would win. <laughs> uh, and in fact, in in the US and Canada, I rarely came across reports of people seeing, uh, you know, for want of a better word, a juvenile creatures, a shorter, younger creature. You know, these creatures aren't born at that height, are they? They're, they're, they've got to grow if they're a flesh and blood creature. Uh, they've got to grow grow to that height. But mm. uh, in Australia, there are a lot of reports of, of uh, the smaller Yowie. So uh, some people call them Janjari, uh, other Dulagal down the south coast, where they are small, hairy men uh, that, uh, that live in the bush small yaoi type men, uh, not, not humans, uh, and they're, they're not the eight, nine foot tall type creatures. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're almost like dwarf size. So I think that is a, 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 major, uh, a major point of difference b- between the two. And also the smell, particularly in the Queensland yaoi's, uh, uh, the, the, the smell associated with, with the creature uh, I think that uh, isn't replicated to such an extent uh, in, in the US, but that may well be because uh, my understanding is most reports in the US come from the cooler climate areas and not that uh, not those places which are steaming hot and humid all year round. I was going to just uh, bring back to the point there you were talking about the Blue Mountains just to the uh, inland from, from Sydney, uh, a mountainous region, also a hotspot for Yowies. But what I've also... Di- sort of um, realised in, in my research is that mystery animals, whether they be yaois or in Australia, we also have these um, big cats. Australia doesn't have any native big cats, but, you know, like a puma type sighting, uh, bunyips, UFOs, anything that's a bit unusual, uh, they seem to be in clusters. So, for example, with the Blue Mountains, it's also not only a yaoi hotspot, but a hotspot for these puma type beasts, also a hotspot for, uh, for UFOs. Uh, and the similar sort of pattern, southeast New South Wales, again, it's high in those uh, in unusual reports. It's like if an area has one particular mystery, it seems to have all of them. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm not sure if that's something that you've, you've noticed in, in your travels. Definitely, yeah. It's, it's as soon as you start looking in one, one aspect uh, in a certain area, then all of a sudden all these other reports come up. And it's, it seems like that almost in a global sort of sense as well. You know, like uh, I did a podcast earlier this year about the Mothman in yeah. Point Pleasant in West Virginia and the whole yeah. thing of letting, like people seeing UFOs, men in black. It's like, wh- what is going on? You know, like there's just – it seems to, yeah, have that cluster kind of effect where – That's right. It's not just one paranormal aspect. It's a lot. 
which which is good for you know people like yourself and, and me and others who who are fascinated by this because you can go to you know pick out a, a few key spots in whatever country or state it might be where uh, where there's uh, some something unusual going on and you could you can stay there for a long time because you can delve into the various um, smorgasbord of of mysteries on offer. Would you say the most compelling evidence for any sort of cryptozoology type creature? You know, we're focusing sort of on the Yowie, but Bigfoot and anything sort of skunk ape, all that. Other than your sighting, would you say people's reports would be the most compelling evidence that you've come across? Unfortunately, yes, because non-believers and uh, really want that conclusive scientific evidence. They want a carcass. They want some sort of new DNA. They want... Uh, something conclusive. They don't just want someone's, you know, anecdotal evidence. And that has irked me and for, for, for many years. And I might just take you back here to shortly after I did become Tim the Owie Man, I went to a, uh, in that five years or so where I was exploring the phenomena around the world, I went to a Bigfoot conference or convention type, type thing in the US. And I, don't, I remember I, was, I arrived late because um, my plane from Australia was delayed. But anyway, I got there and there was a – in the car park outside, the, like the, the conference centre, there was, there was a fight. People were, were belting each other. They were fisticuffs. They were fighting each other. And I thought, geez, what have I got myself into here? <laughs> and I went up and asked, you know, some of the, the, the guys around there. Um, they may, were mainly males. Uh, uh, what, what the heck's going on here? And they said, oh, we've just had the first session of the day and it's uh, one of the main topics was, is Bigfoot flesh and blood or is Bigfoot paranormal? I said, what do you mean? You know, Bigfoot's flesh and blood, isn't it? Uh, and they said, no, there's two camps of thought, you know, that Bigfoot is your flesh and blood type creature, uh, you know, one baby did be discovered by science or perhaps a missing link or whatever. Um, and then there's those that believe it's a paranormal being that only some people see it sometimes and it comes and goes, similar, I guess, to a ghost. And I'd never heard of that theory at that stage and I, I completely uh, was quite I was quite dismissive of, it, of the, the paranormal theory. But as I've spent more and more time looking into the phenomena, I, I, I'm, I'm, and it's, it sounds crazy because a lot of people think, they don't believe in Bigfoot to start with. And now there's people saying not only is Bigfoot something that is there, but it's a paranormal beast. It's, it's a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm actually leaning more to that camp now due to my lack of being able to, to find or find anyone else that has conclusive evidence. Maybe Bigfoot is some sort of paranormal being that people, indigenous peoples in various cultures, including in Australia, have, have seen over time and that you have to have a close association perhaps with that environment, with that landscape and, and you're able to, you're able to see. So uh, I'm tending more towards that after 25 years and I'm not as obsessed or hung up on having to go out there and find that bone or find that, um, that carcass to, to, to show to everyone or some sort of uh, more saying, well, some people see it, some people don't just like ghosts, um, you know, believe if you, if you like, um, who knows, you, you might one day have your own encounter. Exactly. That's really yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because I've definitely come across that theory as well, that it is something more paranormal. That's why people, some people see it, some people don't. And then after a while, it does start to make more sense because if it was a flesh and bone kind of creature, potentially more people would be able to see it, you know. But And since we don't have that evidence, you know, it's why not? Why couldn't it be that? And 
and that's right, particularly back 25 years ago when I was sort of on the flesh and blood bandwagon, I'm thinking, well, now people are getting all these fancy cameras and, you know, you can't go anywhere without there being a camera hidden in the bush almost or someone recording something or and the advancement of science, uh, you know, over the next few years, we're going to find evidence of this creature. But, you know, in, in the time since, the, there's been no nothing that's really been discovered to, to, to show that. So, yeah, it's uh, 25 years ago, I would have almost laughed. Almost got involved in that fight myself, but um, but but now, yeah, I'm 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 open, well and truly open to both views. Um, if not leaning more towards the paranormal, can can you just comment a little bit? And you did touch on this, and this is something that is always interests me with you know, the whole Yowie topic is that Indigenous elders, you know, have passed down these stories through generations. In your research, what have you kind of come across that really stood out to you in these Indigenous stories? With the indigenous stories, it's it's quite a tri- tricky topic. Um, a lot of indigenous people found find me rather than me finding them. That's indigenous people with, with Yowie stories because quite often they'll say, "Hey, the Yowie, I hear your nickname, the Yowie man. You go looking for the Yowie. Uh, you're, you're a white fellow, so I'm a non-indigenous Australian. You know that's part of our culture. You know how are you experiencing this, and th- they're not." upset but they're they're sort of laying ownership um i guess to the yowie phenomenon because it's been in many of their cultures for for many thousands of years and they'll after i strike up a conversation uh with them or or meet them they'll they'll uh, what's what's really noticeable is that you know in a non-indigenous culture it's you know some people believe in yowies some don't most don't and it's talked about as one of these mystery, unusual creatures. Many of the indigenous peoples that I've spoken to or communities that I've visited, it's not spoken in that way. It's spoken in the same way as there's a kangaroo out in the bush. You know, it's 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 spoken that, you know, there's there's not even a question mark whether there are Yowies or not. There are Yowies. They're part of our culture. Don't go up in that part of the bush because they're there keep our kids out of the way because we don't want them to be hurt if there's a yowie there, whatever. So it's it's remarkable to the difference, I guess, between the, the Indigenous and the non-Indigenous communities, the way they, I guess, reflect on the yowie. It definitely adds a whole other aspect to the whole background of the yowie, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. And, and because I am a non-Indigenous person, I, I although I've, I've touched on how... Uh, on some of the the origins of of the Yowie in terms of an indigenous culture, I, I rarely uh, talk about it at any level of detail because to me it's it's their story um, and they've uh, they've told me that it is their story and that the story the indigenous stories of the Yowie is, is their stories to tell and and I respect that. So although I'm happy to 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 give you there that sort of I guess background to it, I. I I won't delve into any specific cases or specific to the origins of the Yowie. That's that's up to the individual Indigenous communities who, who um, it's it's a very special uh, part of their culture. People seem to love ghost stories. You know, it's always something that's people are always asking me and asking what I've heard, what I've experienced. So, what's some of your most fascinating, most compelling kind of ghost encounters you've had? I guess one of the more compelling encounters I've had. Uh, was uh, in an old house, uh, old for Australian terms, uh, yeah. 
hundred years or so uh, at a place called Bungendore uh, between Canberra and, and and the coast. And it was actually on a, a stakeout for one of a better word to try and find to try and experience the ghost there. Often when you go places, you you, you, you don't really have any experience. But this again, this is twenty years ago or so. Uh, up until that time, I hadn't had a ghost encounter. Uh, was in this this old homestead, uh, which at the time was converted into a restaurant, and we sort of a group of us were in there overnight. And suddenly, uh, in the early evening, I've witnessed uh, an apparition. You can only describe it as an apparition of a of a man running at full pace through the main uh, hallway of this old building, vaporizing, passing through a locked wooden door. And I saw the whatever it was, the ghost, for a number of, of seconds uh, and uh, have no other explanation other than it's something beyond our realms of understanding. I, I, that was my first ghost encounter, I guess. The story, the backstory behind that was that there was a, a fellow, I think it was William Gallagher, I think was his name, that had, uh, during the Great Depression of around 1930 or so, was living in the house and had taken his own life one Sunday morning while he's, he'd sent his kids up to the local newsagent to, to buy the paper or the comics as they did every Sunday morning. And while they were up there, he, he had taken his own life in, in, the, in the room in which we were, were based. And it's thought that his ghost haunts that building uh, uh, ever since. And it was him, it was he that we were looking for. And I'm pretty sure um, it's, uh, it was the, his ghost that I, that I actually saw I guess that that started me off on the track of trying to uh, see and and report on on, on other ghostly phenomena uh, all around Australia. Great. What are the sort of things that you come across when you run your ghost tours? A lot of people come on a ghost tour and they oh so they'll send me an email prior to to booking or booking. You know, are we going to see a ghost? Is there a money back guarantee? Uh, of course, there is no money back guarantee no. when it when it <laughs> when it comes to ghosts. Otherwise, it'd be very poor. Because, uh, of course, not on every tour does does something occur. However, I'm constantly surprised at the number of different the number of times someone experiences something that you can't explain um, a, along the lines of of a ghost. And I'd say it's probably eighty percent of tours, but it's not always something where say there's twenty people on a tour. It's, there's not twenty people standing in that house, all seeing that ghost of a man run a full pace down the corridor. It's not that. It's 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 only on a few occasions has sort of a whole group had a, a group experience. It's more individuals or couples or ones and twos having a side experience during the tour. And whether or not it's because we're in large numbers and we're, you know, scaring away the, the ghosts and the spirits or – or, or what I can't quite explain, but what I am buoyed by, I guess what I'm I'm uh, surprised by are the number of unexplained happenings. Certainly not all visions, sometimes, you know, poltergeist activity, people being pushed around, um, quite often smells, unusual smells that are associated with a with, with a particular a spirit. It's it's those sort of things that, that do occur on tours and yeah, and, and in quite uh, any numbers I, I thought would be um, a lot uh, lower than they are. So I guess in 25 years of researching unusual 
things and happenings around Australia. I've, I've got quite a few case notes and, and files. And I've recently, um, just a couple of months ago, released a book called Haunted and Mysterious Australia. It's a coffee table style book, which which catalogues around 80 of, of those investigations, whether they be ghosts or haunted or cursed shipwrecks to strange lights in the sky, min min lights, UFOs, um, bunyip reports, sea serpents, you name it. Uh, and uh, that's called Haunted and Mysterious Australia. Uh, you can get it online um, wherever you are in the world. If you just do a search for Haunted and Mysterious Australia, the subtitles are bunyips, yowies, phantoms and other strange phenomena. And in recent times, just this year, I've started a um, to develop a, a web series uh, exclusive to YouTube where I'm researching and then presenting the findings of various uh, mysteries uh, around Australia. Uh, and the first couple are already released on YouTube. So if you have a look at Tim the Owie Man, the series uh, on YouTube, you'll see uh, a, 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 a mini documentary there we've made uh, exploring one of Australia's most haunted houses uh, for, the, for the ghost aficionados out there and also uh, a an exploration of Lake George, which is, I guess, Australia's answer to the Bermuda Triangle, Australia's version of the Bermuda Triangle. It's an inland waterway where all sorts of strange happenings have been occurring for, for, for many years. And uh, yeah, we've done a, a, a nice little episode on that on Tim the Owie Man, the series. Really great for people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, it's 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 great fun filming it. But of course, as uh, as uh, anyone out there that that does any sort of filming knows, as soon as you pull out the cameras, uh, the ghosts seem to disappear. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the sort of series where we're we're not um, we're certainly not making anything up. We're just recording whatever happens when we're there. Um, sometimes something will happen, and quite often it won't. But we'll be presenting the the uh, the history and the amazing um, landscapes associated yeah. um, with those um, with those phenomena. That's great. I think that's something that people don't realise too, is, you know, when you have all these episodic type shows of ghost hunting and how edited they all are because, you know, when you're hunting or like researching all night long, that's, you know, eight plus hours of footage, you know. That's and right. Like, <laughs> and then you're editing it down to what, maybe like 20, 40 minute sort of uh, yeah. episodes. Like it's... Not a lot happens potentially. No, in unless that you're very lucky. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you're not going to have much. Uh, you're not going to have much action. But and that's also the case with the ghost tours. I know there's 80 percent of tours. At least someone hasn't experienced. But a lot of the tours are also about delving into and shining the spotlight on what is quite often unusual and little known histories of the place. And, and I guess um, most ghost um, busters, most ghost tour participants. Most people interested in ghosts are also got that little bit of um, interest in, in history, the unusual history, the interesting history of a place which you wouldn't otherwise find out unless you went on a ghost tour. In Australia, the number of ghost tours has, and I'm sure this is reflected worldwide, has absolutely exploded in the last uh, 10 to 20 years. There used to be a handful in Australia. Now there's hundreds. And constantly the feedback from all these ghost tours is, you know, sure, some people are having encounters, which is great, but it's exposing uh, a new generation of, of people to to the history, to the different layers of history of, of these various locations, whether they be uh, in the bush or a, a house in the city or whatever. It's, it's something which is, um, which is uh, I think, uh, adding to the value of, of people respecting the past. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time coming on the podcast and sharing all of your years of knowledge with us. I'll definitely put some links to your book, which I'll definitely have to get a copy of, and 
your YouTube series, which looks really great as well. So people definitely can go and learn a little bit more about some Australian aspects of the paranormal world. Yeah, um, and thanks very much for having me. And, and you said there are lots of, you know, my 25 years of knowledge. I, I, I don't claim to be an expert on any of this. I'm just out there trying to soak up the information, trying to find answers, having a fun journey along the way. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a completely knowledgeable on, on, all, on all the subjects. Um, and I don't think anyone who studied it for their whole lifetime would be. It's, 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 uh, it's just, there's just too much unknown out there to, to be like that, I guess. Once again, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to go check out Tim. All of his social links are in the description of this podcast. And of course, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to like, subscribe, follow. We put up a new episode every fortnight. And, you know, we're always looking for topics that you guys might be interested in as well. So let me know what you, um, what you might like to see on the podcast. Definitely take that into account. Jump onto our Facebook if you're interested, Paranormal Thoughts Podcast. See all of the latest episodes going on over there as well. So all of those links in the description of the podcast as well. Thanks again to Tim and thank you guys for hanging around and enjoying a bit of uh, some paranormal talk today. I'll catch you guys later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.